welcome to Escape Roots with Condé Nast Traveler. My name is Divya Thani, Global Editorial Director of Condé Nast Traveler, and it is my pleasure to introduce you to our podcast series. Travel is all about storytelling, a story of a place, of its people, of a journey. And at Condé Nast Traveler, we've always celebrated the most transportative, evocative travel writing. We've come together to take you to some of our favorite places, if only in your imagination, by listening to our most loved travel stories read aloud by the writers who pen them. We hope these short escape routes allow you to daydream of far-flung adventures, discover the world's curious corners, or recast familiar destinations in a fresh light, and that you love these travel stories as much as I do. Hello, my name is Paola Singer. Welcome to Condé Nast Traveler's Escape Routes. I will be reading my piece on Puerto Rico, which featured in the April 2022 issue of Condé Nast Traveler. I hope you enjoy it. It isn't a long drive from the hangar come airport in Vieques, a tropical speck of an island surrounded by teals, turquoises and blues off the east coast of Puerto Rico to my mid-century style room at Finca Victoria. But I have to stop several times for the wild horses that roam the narrow hillside road, meaning I've missed breakfast by the time I arrived. The ever-gracious Silvia de Marco, an Ayurvedic consultant and one of Puerto Rico's most forward-thinking hoteliers, has a Taino bowl waiting at the Alfresco vegan kitchen. Named after the Indians who inhabited Puerto Rico and other parts of the Caribbean in pre-Columbian times, and who were known to cultivate a variety of root vegetables, it is an exquisite consummation of mashed pumpkin and malanga topped with cinnamon-soaked caviar lentils, avocado wedges, and coriander from the finca. There is a tangible sense of eating the terroir, albeit subtly spiced. At the wooden poleside tables where I eat, I lose myself in the lush surroundings. Dragonflower bushes, sundry palms, hibiscus and trumpet trees seem to burst from the ground that hugs the hotel's wooden deck. It is hard to believe that less than five years ago, this island had barely survived a Category 5 hurricane. The Marco has spent these years coaxing this terrain back to life, reintroducing endemic plants and vegetables to the fertile soil while running the hotel on solar power and recycled water. When I bought this land in 2018, it was almost barren, she says. There wasn't a single tree standing. What De Marco is doing at Finca, reconnecting the land to its fertility, is part of a larger movement across Puerto Rico. Ever since Hurricane Maria ripped through in September 2017, a new generation of Puerto Ricans have been championing local farming and food sovereignty. The disaster laid bare a series of long-standing ills, a grossly outdated power grid, a tangle of corruption among local officials, and a perilous dependence on the mainland for sustenance. Despite years of visiting the place to which my mother and stepfather retired, I'd been largely unaware of Puerto Rico's fraught history with food. Like Hawaii, Close to 90% of the island's sustenance, including grains, meats, fruits, and vegetables, comes from the United States, which has ruled the island since the Spanish-American War of 1898. 
Many of its crops disappeared after the turn of the 20th century when American companies began investing heavily in the local sugar industry. By 1950, American sugarcane plantations had taken over almost all of Puerto Rico's farmland. Farmers have struggled to recover ever since. While complicated regulations mean that food takes an average of a fortnight to arrive and is up to 2% more expensive than on the American mainland. That a place of such bounty and fertility had to rely so heavily on an unfair system suddenly seemed absurd. So after returning from Vieques, I set off to find more of the people that are championing a new way. From the capital of San Juan, I drive up twisting roads flanked by malachite hills and the odd shack selling cans of medalla and spit roasted pork. 70 miles south, deep in the mountains of Guayama, I reach Carité 3.0, a nine-acre farm where Fernando Maldonado and his wife, Ariel Sorzolo, cultivate more than 100 kinds of fruits and vegetables. We've seen a growing awareness among Puerto Ricans about how important it is to have a food supply that is local, especially if there is a disaster, says Maldonado, as he hands me a piece of fresh cacao whose pulp has a soft, creamy texture and tastes a bit like sour candy. The farm has been in Maldonado's family for two generations, but it wasn't until after the hurricane, following an apprenticeship at UC Santa Cruz's Center for Agroecology, that he and Ariel decided to set up a sustainable farm there. On a walk through the steep, densely forested site, I see cacao, plantain, mamey, ají, and leren, the latter a tuber once grown by the Taino tribes. Most are sold through a local cooperative or are ordered by a growing number of farm-aware chefs in San Juan. The couple also have a sweet, minimalist A-frame wooden cabin available on Airbnb with spectacular views over the rainforest and a trail leading down to a placid lake where guests can swim, paddleboard, and fish. The next day, I find more evidence of hope amid the fields of northwestern Hatillo, a mostly flat rural area dotted with milking cows and working class homes. The genial Jennifer Garcia Matthews welcomes me to Finca Pajuil, an exuberant 14-acre mess of papaya, moringa, achiote, noni, hoja bruja, and around 200 other plants. All are growing together in a faintly hippie-ish tangle, with vintage bathtubs repurposed as flower beds. She is determined to reintroduce bygone native crops, adding new varieties of tropical plants along the way, harvested according to health-giving Ayurvedic principles. My grandmothers, who used to live nearby, practice Ayurveda without knowing it, she says. We are sitting in Pajuil's threadbare but dignified farmstead as she plies me with jokes, good vibes, and vials of tulsi, an immunity-boosting herb that's part of her line of Ayurican medical essences. While Garcia Matthews' essences are available at Pajuil, she also sells them through Produce, an app-based marketplace for local goods that connects farmers with consumers, and won a James Beard Award last year. I later meet Martin Lozao, the app's co-founder and owner of Cocina Abierta, an understatedly ambitious San Juan restaurant. 
Things really took off during the pandemic. He tells me over duck mofongo at one of his bi-weekly oriundo pop-ups in a private dining room behind the restaurant. In a week, we went from four to 40 employees and had to move into a 12,000 square foot warehouse from where we've delivered more than a million pounds of food. The six courses of this pop-up feast feature as many as 100 local ingredients that vary from menu to menu, depending on what his wide net of providers bring in. Whenever possible, he serves papardele de calamar diamante, combining black pasta noodles with thin strips of a giant local squid that fishermen were previously throwing away because there was no market for it. The sauce is a bolognese made with heirloom guajilete tomatoes and pinto langoustines, which can only be caught at night. Cooking becomes fascinating when you focus on biodiversity, he tells me, as he pours a glass of citrusy pet nat. This feels like the right time and place to be a chef. There are now a number of sustainability-minded, island-proud chefs like Lo Sao, most of whom are working in San Juan neighborhoods like Condado and Santurce, home to La Placita, a historic farmer's market now surrounded by bars and restaurants. Yes, the city has too many American imports like chilies or Serafina, but in the last few years, it has welcomed a slew of sophisticated spots, including Vianda, a refined take on Puerto Rican classics from Blue Hill alum Francis Guzman and his front of house wife, and Cocina Al Fondo, where Natalia Vallejo serves old recipes in a renovated 1940s house in upscale Santurce, sourcing from farms including Carité 3.0. Even some hotels are moving away from the sugary cocktails and oily plantain dishes of Puerto Rican cliché, like the Fairmont El San Juan Hotel, where forward-thinking chef Juliana Gonzalez sources from the farms across the island for dishes like ñame, an appetizer of white yam in a brothy sauce of mushrooms braised in coconut milk. Yet no resort can offer the kind of experience I have at La Botanica, Silvia de Marco's other project, an intimate San Juan bed and breakfast, which has the same sense of bohemian biophilia despite being in the city. Since opening the six-room lodging in early 2021 inside a former residence, which she remodeled in her trademark style, the Marco curates weekly vegan dinners sourced from various farms and community-run markets. The chefs normally don't come up with the menu until they know what's available on the island that week, she says. On the Friday of my visit, Chef Carolina Juliet prepares charred jalapenos stuffed with sweet plantains, resting on a puree of purple pigeon peas from the town of Lares in the west of the island. It's followed by a yuca chowder flavored with chipotle and lemongrass. Then black fettuccine with a bechamel sauce with homegrown pumpkin. Something about the atmosphere, the wooden tables set under a canopy of trees, the hanging lanterns, the mismatched vintage porcelain brings out the emotions, nostalgia, gratitude, and a palpable sense that even in the wake of disaster, things can heal.
This podcast is sponsored by Discover Puerto Rico, the official destination marketing organization for the sun-kissed Caribbean paradise. Offering everything from rich history and culture to rainforests and pristine beaches, Puerto Rico has something for everyone. For destination inspiration, news, tips, and advice for your trip, visit discoverpuertorico.com. We hope you enjoyed our Escape Truth podcast. Please remember to like and subscribe to help boost us in the charts and ensure that you're the first to hear about our new episodes.